welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 37 through 39, New International Version. Hello, I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. We're very glad to be with you today as we continue the series we started several weeks ago on Anchored by Truth. We are calling the series, 10 Facts Every Christian Needs to Know. In the studio today, we have R.D. Fierro. R.D. is an author and the founder of Crystal Sea Books. Today, we are going to cover the last of the 10 of the 10 facts that we are discussing during this series. R.D., we have typically been doing a short review of where we are in the series before we start on the new fact. But you said that today you wanted to just jump right into fact 10 because we had so much material to cover. Well, I agree with you that we need to go ahead and get started on the material, but I would like to start out by saying hi to all the listeners who are joining us here today and to thank them for being with us here today, whether you're on the broadcast or joining us on the podcast. And listeners, of course, who want to hear the discussion about any of the first nine facts of the episodes in this series, they can get those discussions on their favorite podcast app, or they can go to our website, crystalcbooks.com, and we post previous episodes of Anchored by Truth on our website. So, what is the tenth fact that every Christian needs to know? Well, the tenth fact that every Christian needs to know to ensure that they can be secure in their confidence in the Bible is this. While the secular world has doubts about the historicity of the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis has never been disproven, and indeed, it cannot be disproven. And conversely, while the Big Bang Theory and Deep Time, the Evolutionary Hypothesis, and Uniformitarianism are widely accepted, they have never proven to be true, and indeed, they cannot be proven to be true. Wow, those are seemingly remarkable statements. Yet, you are saying those are facts. So just to be sure that we're being clear, I want to restate our tenth fact. The secular world may have doubts about the historicity of the book of Genesis, but the book of Genesis has never been disproven. And indeed, it cannot be disproven. Conversely, while the Big Bang Theory and Deep Time, the Evolutionary Hypothesis, and the Uniformitarianism Hypothesis are widely accepted, they have never been proven to be true, and indeed, they cannot be proven to be true. I think you're right that we do need to get straight into the discussion. Where do we begin? Well, let's focus on the first part of our fact. 
It's sad to say, but we cannot avoid noting that there are widespread doubts today about the historicity of the book of Genesis, and not just by unbelievers, but also by some Christians. And that's sad, but it's true. You know, many Christians have felt the need to surrender their belief in the Bible's record of a literal six-day period of creation that occurred just over 6,000 years ago because of the pressure they feel from the culture around them. These Christians have been so bombarded by the narratives that circulate in our culture, especially from the educational institutions, that the universe and the earth are billions of years old, that these Christians have tried to reach an accommodation with these ideas that circulate in the culture. So, a number of seemingly acceptable alternative ways of interpreting the book of Genesis have arisen, such as, for instance, the day-age theory or the gap theory. The day-age idea is that the creative days described in chapter 1 of Genesis are not normal 24-hour days, but rather simply creative periods of an indeterminate length. The day-age theory argues that the Hebrew word translated as day in Genesis chapter 1 can simply mean a long period rather than a regular day. They sometimes appeal to passages like 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 which says, quote, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day, unquote. That's the new international version. Yes. But as we pointed out in our Truth in Genesis series, the day-age theory is not consistent with the ordinary rules of interpretation of the Hebrew words and grammar. The Hebrew words and grammar are clearly intended to be literal history and not some form of a poetic or imaginative construction. Now, Dr. Jonathan Sarfati, who is our guest on that Truth in Genesis series, makes this point very clearly in his Genesis commentary called The Genesis Account. And the gap theory postulates that there was somehow a long gap between verse 1 of chapter 1 of Genesis and verse 2 of chapter 1. Gap theorists believe that drawing this gap, millions or billions of years of uniformitarian development and evolution occurred in the universe on Earth. They further believe that from verse 2 onward, Genesis describes the recreation of the earth to restore it from a great war that occurred between the followers of Satan and God's forces. This war devastated the original creation, and therefore God had to repair the damage. Both the day-age theory and the gap theory are attempts by Christian interpreters to harmonize the supposed billions of years conventional science says happened and the seemingly incongruous record of the six days of creation found in Genesis. But the truth is that there is no need for Christians to adopt strategies such as the day-age theory or the gap theory. There is abundant scientific evidence that supports the accuracy of the six-day creation account of Genesis just several thousand years ago, as well as the other events described by the book of Genesis, such as a worldwide flood. And we covered some of the evidence in this series because we want people to begin to realize that they do not have to surrender their belief in biblical inspiration and infallibility, yet also trust science. Real science, that is. Exactly. Real science casts considerable doubt on the alternatives that are postulated to the history that is contained in Genesis. And that's what we're focusing on with this tenth fact. 
The secular world has come to doubt Genesis largely because of the idea of uniformitarianism that was popularized by Charles Lyell and the biological extension of uniformitarianism, which is called evolution, popularized by Charles Darwin. Neither Lyell nor Darwin were the originators of the ideas with which their names are now prominently associated, but they did write books that brought their ideas into widespread public consciousness. Lyell wrote The Principles of Geology in the early 1830s, and Darwin wrote his famous book entitled On the Origin of Species in 1859. Now, over time, these books and the ideas that were contained in them continued to gain a greater foothold throughout Western thought. And that foothold has progressed to such an extent that today their ideas are taught in virtually every educational classroom and textbook in much of the developed world. And it is largely owing to the spread of ideas of geological uniformitarianism and biological evolution that many Christians have felt compelled to try and find a way to keep one foot in so-called science and the other foot in believing the Bible. But this attempt has never achieved the desired aim. Christians hope to preserve the Bible's acceptability by seemingly finding within its text reasons that the Genesis creation account was consistent with the alleged spread of a science that demanded billions of years. But that never happened, did it? No. Starting in the latter part of the 19th century, Christians began trying to embrace what was a blatant contradiction in their belief system. They tried to manufacture a harmony between deep time and the six creative days of Genesis. But the only thing that has happened is that the Bible has seen its influence on society and culture consistently shrink. Lyell's and Darwin's ideas require billions of years of deep time in which to accomplish their supposed work. We need hundreds of millions of years for a trickle of water to turn a rut into the Grand Canyon. And there is a hope that with billions of years, the random collision of inanimate hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon atoms could turn themselves into heroes, warriors, and champions. But of course, the idea that the Earth and the universe have been around for billions of years is in direct conflict with what we learn from Genesis. So many Christians surrendered the truth of Genesis and replaced that truth with trust in human pronouncements. And this has had a very predictable effect. Rather than those Christians influencing the culture, the culture has influenced their faith. And in the process, both the Christians and the culture have been compromised. The truly tragic thing is that there's no need for Christians to make this accommodation. Ironically, as real science has progressed, we have seen more and more empirical observations that actually affirm the historicity of the book of Genesis. For instance, in Darwin's day, there had been no discoveries of soft dinosaur tissue that was so well-preserved that red blood cells were still identifiable as such under a microscope. That happened in the 1990s. In Lyell's day, geologists began to think that enormous river valleys such as the Grand Canyon were the result of erosion that occurred over millions of years. But in the 1920s, an American geologist, J. Harlan Bretz, became convinced that many of these river valleys weren't due to erosion, but were created by truly epic floods. Bretz proposed that the river valleys of eastern Washington were caused by such floods. When he first proposed his idea in the 1920s, he was met with widespread disbelief. 
Yet acceptance of the truth of the Brett's observations is so widespread today that at the age of 97, Brett's was awarded the Geological Society of America's highest honor. Said differently, disbelief was transformed into belief. Yes. And in the case of the book of Genesis, widespread belief in its truth in the early part of the 19th century, and I might add for the 1800 years before that, after the death of Christ, that that widespread belief in the truth of the book of Genesis was gradually transformed into widespread disbelief by the latter half of the 20th century. A great many Christians came to and are still under the mistaken impression that the book of Genesis has either been disproven or at least that we cannot accept it as literal history. Those Christians think, they thought, that deep time, uniformitarianism, evolution, the Big Bang, etc. have rendered Genesis just a sort of poetic origin story. And that would be at best, or it's just outright wrong at worst. In any case, those Christians came to believe that the creation account of Genesis was irrelevant to the weightier matters of their faith like sin or salvation or eschatology. But the book of Genesis was never disproven, has never been disproven, and in fact cannot be disproven. Why not? Well, the biggest reason it can't be disproven is because it's true. Touché. But I think we're going to need a little more than that. Well, you also can't disprove the book of Genesis because you can really neither prove nor disprove particular explanations for events of the distant past. All anyone can do with respect to events of the distant past is look at the evidence that is currently available to us today and then provide an explanation for why that evidence appears the way it does. And this examination and explanation will always fall short of a complete, quote, proof, because there will always be the possibility of a second or a third or a fourth or a twentieth possible explanation for that evidence. But now in saying this, we are not saying that some explanations may not be more reasonable than others. Some explanations most certainly will be more reasonable than others. And that's what we have been pointing out throughout this series on 10 facts every Christian needs to know. And this 10th fact that we're talking about today helps to summarize what we have learned in this series. So the secular world may doubt the historicity of Genesis, but doubt is not disproof. Doubt is just that. Doubt is a subjective opinion about the truth of a particular proposition, but doubt does not prove anything, nor does the doubt of a collective body of people prove anything. When J. Harlan Bretz first proposed his idea that the river valleys of eastern Washington were carved by monstrous floods, his idea was widely doubted. But over time, as more evidence came to light, his idea gained widespread acceptance. The initial doubt did not mean Bretz was not correct. Today, most geologists believe that Bretz is correct. But widespread acceptance does not automatically mean that Brett's is correct either. It simply means more people believe his explanation than the alternative. Exactly. So let's reinforce that idea by turning to the second part of our tenth fact. The second part of our tenth fact is that while the Big Bang Theory and Deep Time, the evolutionary hypothesis and the uniformitarian hypothesis are widely accepted, they have never been proven to be true. And indeed, They cannot be proven to be true. Right. Today, the most widely accepted theory for how the universe came into existence is the Big Bang Theory. 
The idea that at one time all the matter and energy of the universe were present in a singularity that exploded one day and began a formation process that resulted in our current universe. And this idea is so prevalent that many people, including many Christians, believe that it must have been proven to be true. But that's not the case at all. Again, in part, the only thing that any current observer can do is to look at the current evidence and try to provide an explanation for that evidence. And there is evidence that is helpful to the idea of a primordial Big Bang, such as the expansion of the galaxies and the presence of what's called universal cosmic background radiation. Observations of the universe indicate that the galaxies are not simply in a static holding pattern. Instead, they seem to be moving outward as if they were moving away from a central point of origin. Moreover, scientists have now detected what is sometimes called a background microwave radiation echo that seems to come from the entire universe. This echo was first thought to be malfunctioning instruments, but it has now been verified, so some scientists see it as the radiation that must have come from a giant fireball or explosion in the past, hence the term Big Bang. And there are other lines of evidence that proponents of the Big Bang point to. And you hear the affirmations about the Big Bang Theory so much, it seems that it must almost have been proven to be true as the only explanation for the origin of the universe. Yet very few people focus on the fact that the Big Bang Theory has not been proven to be true. Far from it. And there are a great many scientific observations that do not support the Big Bang hypothesis. Such, for instance, as the need for so-called dark energy and dark matter. According to Wikipedia, quote, dark matter is a hypothetical form of matter thought to account for approximately 85% of the matter in the universe. Dark matter is called dark because it does not appear to interact with the electromagnetic field, which means it does not absorb, reflect, or emit electromagnetic radiation like light and is, therefore, difficult to detect. Various astrophysical observations, including gravitational effects which cannot be explained by currently accepted theories of gravity unless more matter is present than we can see, imply dark matter's presence. For this reason, most experts think that dark matter is abundant in the universe and has a strong influence on its structure and evolution, unquote. Simply put, the Big Bang cosmological model needs dark matter to work, to make the math work. Without dark matter, there is not sufficient gravitational pressure to cause stars to form within the known laws of physics. And it goes without saying that without stars, the universe doesn't contain galaxies, planets, or ultimately life. But physicists have been looking for some way to confirm the existence of dark matter for decades, and they've always come up empty. Dark matter is neither seen nor detected yet. And as the Wikipedia article stated, it's supposed to make up 85% of the material of the universe. And dark matter is not just needed to save the Big Bang Theory, it's also needed to solve other puzzles that astrophysicists know about. But there are some scientists who are starting to acknowledge the elephant in the room. There's a theoretical physicist, Mordechai Milgram, who has proposed an alternative to dark matter to solve the many vexing problems that have come up. Milgram's idea is called Modified Newtonian Dynamics, or Shortened Demand, wherein Milgram slightly changes the law of gravitation on the very large scale of galaxies to solve the problem of galaxy rotation curves and the dynamics of galaxies on larger scales. 
According to a 2014 New Science article, Milgram was asked by reporter Marcus Crone, quote, why is now a good time to take an alternative to dark matter seriously, unquote. Milgram replied, quote, a host of experiments searching for dark matter, including the Large Hadron Collider, many underground experiments, and several space missions have failed to see anything convincing. This comes on top of increasing realization that the leading dark matter model has its failings. Among other things, it predicts that we would see many more dwarf galaxies orbiting our Milky Way than we actually do, unquote. There are a great many problems with the Big Bang Theory, but that does not mean that it is not widely accepted. It is. But the Big Bang Theory, like all theories that depend on deep time, are based on assumptions that are unproven and unprovable. All of these ideas require the user to make assumptions about the initial conditions of the universe or the matter, assumptions about the consistency of processes for indeterminate periods of time, and assumptions about the absence or presence of intervening external factors, etc. Yet none of these assumptions can be proven to be true, and all of these alternative explanations to biblical creationism are necessary because the proponents of them are simply unwilling to acknowledge the presence of God and the truth of the Bible. And some scientists have become willing to admit that they do so. Harvard evolutionary biologist and geneticist Richard Lewontin wrote, quote, We take the side of science in spite of patent absurdity of some of its constructs, in spite of its failures to fulfill many of the extravagant promises of health and life, in spite of the tolerance of the scientific community for unsubstantiated just-so stories, because we have a prior commitment, a commitment to materialism. It is not that the methods and institution of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation of the phenomenal world, but... On the contrary, that we are forced by our a priori adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and a set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that materialism is absolute, for we cannot allow a divine foot in the door, unquote. But some people say that is just a case of he said, she said. Well, they certainly can say that, but as we have pointed out throughout this 10 Facts Every Christian Needs to Know series, there are not only problems with the widely accepted alternative explanations of secular scientists, but there is affirmative evidence that supports biblical creation. It supports the Bible's record that the earth and the universe are only thousands of years old, not billions of years old. It supports the fact that God had to intelligently use the matter he created in order to make living creatures possible. There is evidence that the events of the book of Genesis still reveal their presence in language, in geography, in geology, etc. So it's not just a matter of he said, she said, because one side of this debate not only brought their claims, but also pictures, recordings, forensic evidence, supporting eyewitness testimony, and rigorous analysis that does not suffer from the need to keep creating, as Dr. Lewontin put it, quote, just so stories, close quote. In other words, the biblical explanation makes better sense about a lot of things. It makes better sense about how the sun makes the amount of energy the earth needs to sustain life, 
how the Earth and Moon operate together to create the conditions for life, and why marine fossils are found on the highest mountains on Earth. The biblical explanation makes better sense of the number and type of languages we see in existence today, the number of people we see around the world, and why regions, towns, and rivers are called by certain names. Yet despite this, it's fair to say that doubts about the Bible remain. Yes. And that's why I chose the opening scripture that I did for this episode of Anchored by Truth, this 10th fact. Jesus told us that in Noah's day, people were pretending that everything was okay, but it wasn't. And it will be that way when Jesus comes back. The doubts that people have about the book of Genesis are not proof of anything. And despite the repeated attacks against it, the Bible remains defiantly true. The Bible displays the two characteristics that any book claiming to be the Word of God would have to meet. The Bible is consistent with what we know about the history of the earth, the history of the universe, and human history, and the Bible contains evidence of supernatural origin. Now, these attributes of the Bible are demonstrated in part by the ten facts that we have covered in this series, and of course they are demonstrated by thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of other facts. Now, we're not suggesting that we expect these narratives, the narratives of D-time, evolution, uniformitarianism, others, are going to be set aside overnight. But we do think that it is high time for Christians to arm themselves with the facts that push back on these narratives, with the facts that will enable them to sustain their own faith under adversity and pressure, and that they be able to pass along their faith and the facts to their children and to their grandchildren and to their great-grandchildren. You know, the old proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Well, the single step that we need to reverse the debilitating decline in our culture is to begin to reassert the truth of Scripture, the truth that's contained in the Bible. And fortunately, the Bible, because it is true, provides us with abundant evidence that we can use to objectively demonstrate that to other people. But those facts and that evidence won't do us any good if we don't absorb it, arm ourselves with it, prepare ourselves to discuss it. We need to discuss it kindly. We need to discuss it in a hospitable manner. We need to always be civil in the discussions that we have with other people. But if we don't arm ourselves in the first place, well, we're defeated before we start out. And we've seen that defeat and what happens when the Bible is excluded from popular culture. We've seen what happens in our own culture when the Bible no longer occupies the position of trust and prominence that it used to play in the earlier history of this nation Western culture. The point of this series, and today's discussion, is to help Christians guard against the narratives that circulate so widely today. One of those narratives is that the Bible cannot be trusted. So, to push that narrative, the critics must cast doubt on the reliability and authenticity of Scripture. But reality pushes back on the claim that the Bible can't be trusted. Moses recorded the history God gave to him. He did so faithfully and accurately, and we see the fidelity of his account all around us today. To close, for today, let's listen to a prayer of corporate confession. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's expectations, and we should confess that regularly. But we must also combine our confession with the gratitude that he tells us in 1 John, that even as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive those sins. Truly, we serve a gracious as well as a mighty God. 
Prayer of Corporate Confession Father, perfect in justice, holy in all ways, we stand before you to declare that we know you are a great, powerful, and just God. Before time began marking the rise, decline, and coming renewal of creation, you established the laws to govern all seasons and creatures. Your laws are perfect because you are perfect. Lord, we acknowledge today that we have sinned and fallen short of your expectations. We know that we have done this of our own volition, that our transgressions are not caused by anything that you have done or failed to do. As you forgive us, help us to freely forgive those who offend us when they ask for pardon. Let us embrace our brothers and sisters with repentant hearts as readily as you embrace us. We can only do so by knowing the gracious love that you brought to us when Christ came and died for us. He tore apart the veil between your people and you, sent the Spirit to refresh our souls, and so it is in his precious name that we ask for mercy, pardon, and a readiness to serve you. Amen. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalcbooks.com, where... We're not perfect, but our boss is.